0: Hello and welcome to another fabulous, fantastic, epic episode of My Orgasmic Life. I'm your hostess with the is, Gaia Morissette, and today we're going to talk about sexless relationships. And I've had conversations and I've done episodes about sexless relationships and sexless marriages, um, but today I want to specifically talk about what happens when your sexless relationship is because the sex in your relationship is bad, awful, unsatisfaction, no satisfaction at all. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about that. We're going to do that in two parts. Part one is for all of you beautiful, uh, amazing audience. Uh, And we're going to just talk about it. And then part two is for my exclusive content for my patreon supporters and we'll talk about well how do we fix it how do we change it how do we how do we have those conversations okay so i just wanted full disclosure that we're doing a two-parter this is our two-parter for this month and it's all about sexless relationships because the sex is no good (laughs) and not satisfying all right so oh a couple other things before we get into the show uh one today's episode is brought to you by tickle dot life go check out tickle life and two don't forget to tip your hostess all righty and um there's a little bit of a delay so um between the live and um the the recording. So I'm gonna periodically go back and forth between the live. Um, So if you have any questions or comments, please put them in the, the questions and comments space. And when I pause to check in with you guys, then I'll answer, okay? Alrighty, let's start with dun, dun, dun. We're in a sexless relationship because the sex is bad not satisfying. And we don't know how to, how did we get here? And how do we get out of it? So what inspired this conversation, by the way, is that I have a lot of clients and a lot of friends who come and have a conversation with me about how they've been in a sexless relationship for a really long time. And when I start, and there's some key pieces to how people end up in sexless relationships. So let's, let's kind of list those first. The first one is uh, not communicating what you desire and what you want which leads to the bad sex part of things, okay? There's the bodies have changed, um, hormonals have changed, desires have changed because um, as you get older, things change, you develop, you grow, your desires change, and you haven't been able to have the conversation with your partner about that. Uh, another reason that people end up in sexless relationships is there's, other things going on in your relationship that is causing disharmony, mistrust, distrust, distress, um, other major issues going on that's not sex related, but because those things haven't been resolved, it is now affecting your sexual relationship. Children are also another key factor in why and how people end up in sex relationships as children take a lot of energy and a lot of resources, uh, a lot of time, And co-parenting isn't always easy. Uh, You may not be on the same page, which can cause, again, disharmony, which then affects the bedroom, Uh, exhaustion, which affects your energy to whether or not you want to actually engage in sexual activity. So these are some of the factors. But the factor that I really want to talk about today is about the piece about not having a good sex life. Like the reason you're not having sex and the reason you don't want to have sex is because the sex isn't very good. It's not satisfying. There's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. There may be pain involved. There may be, um, you know, emotional strife involved. There may be triggers involved. There, There may be lots of different factors that are making the sex not a fun, easy, great time to be in. So before I get into diving deeper into that, does anybody have any thoughts or comments? Okay, no, we're all good, okay. And we're back. (laughs) All right. Here we go. So what I hear often from my clients in particular is that they, after, you know, they've been married or in a relationship for a prolonged period of time, um, in the beginning of the relationship, there was all this. And we're going to call it biochemicals, because that's what it is. It's the, the falling in love, the falling in lust. Uh, your body's producing all these arousal hormones, dopamine, oxytocin, like the love, falling in love chemicals, okay? So you're high. Oh. <laughs> and in that high, frenzied, sexual, the newness, the excitement, Um, The arousal level is fairly high in the beginning of a relationship. Now, what ends up happening is because there's that lust and arousal that's like pulsating through you, you don't really give, well, I'm going to swear, okay? Not that you should be surprised. (laughs) You don't really give a flying fuck whether the sex is good or not. You just are satisfied because you can't get enough of it. But it doesn't matter if it's good, it doesn't matter if it's satisfying, the arousal and the satisfaction comes from the fact that you're so in lust with this other person. So no, you're not really thinking about the skills and the techniques and the, the, the possibilities, okay? So what ends up happening is that we think the sex is really good because in the beginning, it feels like it's really good because you're high as a kite in your lust hormones, and it really doesn't matter what the skill sets are because everything is going to be fabulous. So then we fast forward into you now, like you're choosing to be in a partnership or partnerships, depending on your love styles, whether you're monogamous or non monogamous. And, um, you know, and then the real sex shows up, the real sexual relationship. The dopamine, the oxytocin, all the biochemicals that made you into this basically lust fairy (laughs) frenzy (laughs) has now settled. And what you're left with is what the true sexual relationship between you both or many um, exists. And it's at this point where either you find out that you do have great sexual compatibility and you're going to be fine and you're going to continue to have great sexual relationship throughout your lives, um, as long as you, know, you don't have certain things like kids and sickness and other things, but you have a, a chance of always having relatively good sex because there's that compatibility there. And that compatibility, there's a couple different factors of sexual compatibility. There's Um, your sexual desire levels are, you know, pretty balanced with each other. Um, And when I say sexual desire levels, it's like, you both are at the same level of arousal, meaning, you know, how often you would like to have sexual activity um, is about the same. And that will fluctuate throughout your relationship, depending on what's going on in uh, people's lives. So it's important to understand that that will fluctuate. But if you're close to each other, um, then that's great. That's one thing about sexual compatibility. The next thing you start to decide, figure out about your sexual compatibility is what turns you on. So this is where we start to see... Um, you know what is it that the core of us so once we let go of our sex frenzied less fairy space then we're left with what is our real desires not excitement because of newness but because who we are so and this is where um things like Uh, kinks and BDSM and alternative sexual practices and, um, you know, things like wanting anal and, you know, um, like this is where our true desires live. And if there's sexual compatibility in that, that means your partner or partners are also into and turned on by those same things. That helps with the sexual compatibility piece. And the third thing that helps with our sexual compatibility is do we look at sexual, what is our belief system around sexuality? Meaning, how important is sexual communication, sexual expression, and sexual connection to us is a priority in our relationships. So, for example, me, I'm a highly sexual being, um, is who I am and how I move in the world. And it's a big part of my love paradigms of how I express my affection for others is through sexual expression. So it's a top priority for me. Um If I am not having sexual interactions with my partner or partners, that's how I have my emotional connection. That's where my emotional connection is in that bonding and connection and intimacy lives for me. So if I'm not having that, then I'm not feeling connected and I'm not having uh, intimacy, that kind of level of intimacy. And so that and that level of connection and that level of vulnerability and those levels of connections and intimacy and vulnerability opens up more vulnerability and communication in other areas for me. So it's a top priority. So I have been in the past when I've been in partnerships where that's not a priority for them, that doesn't go very well. Because I'm like, hey, (laughs) I need to feel connected. Let's have some sexy time. And they're like, hey, let's go for a walk together so that we can feel so I can feel connected and have intimacy with you. And so that doesn't work out very well because I'm like. Unless we know that about each other, and unless we communicate that, so if I know that going into the relationship that that's their expression of intimacy and connection and vulnerability, and they know mine is around sexual expression, then what happens is we can negotiate that, and I can be like, "All right, I'll go for a walk with you, but when we come back from the walk, I need you to fuck my brains up." Win win. But we need to know what that is so that we can navigate that. Okay, so those are the big pieces around that are important around sexual compatibility. Now, what happens when you don't have those pieces? And what you're left with is a partner who really is into anal and another partner who um, really likes oral sex and uh, the partner who really likes oral sex, um, the person who gives oral sex doesn't have good oral sex skills because the person who receiving the oral sex isn't capable of communicating what it is they like and how they like it. Or they have communicated what it is and how they like it. And the person who's giving is offended, which is what we're gonna get into in a second. <laughs> because they've asked for something different than what the person is doing. So this is where we get, now we're getting into the juice of this, okay? So what happens? Let's check in. Oh, that's great. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, the, our live people, uh, one of the comments was, I used to be in a sexless relationship for more than 10 years. Thanks so much for bringing up this topic, Gaia. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And yes, I agree. Not every woman likes anal. <laughs> Not every person likes everything. It's important that whoever you're with, that you figure out what it is that they like, and are you guys compatible? Do you also like it? Okay. All right. So back to our back to our topic. Uh, where was I? Okay. So let's start talking about skill sets so there's sexual skill sets and there's communication points okay so first of all let's talk about sexual skill sets So we've been taught from a societal standpoint, that we don't need to learn about sex, we're just supposed to automatically know how to do it. It's like, we were born, we came out of the vulva and the vagina, and we know how to breathe. And we also know, as we grow up, we just know how to have sex. We don't, by the way. You can have a, a natural affinity to it, as <laughs> like a natural gift, <laughs> but you don't actually know how to engage sexually. Um, it's not a skill set you're born with, it's a skill set that you learn and you acquire. And it's also important to understand that the skill sets that you learn and acquire vary from partner to partner. Okay, so I really, I need to say this, because this is really, really important. Often, we believe we are supposed to know how to. And then if we meet somebody who's capable of communicating with us, what it is that they want, we can't hear it, we can't listen to it. And we take offense to it. And we feel rejected, we feel not good enough. We feel like, how dare you tell me that I have bad sex skills just because somebody is asking specifically for what they what they what their body needs and desires in that moment okay so everybody who's listening i really i'm going to say this again so that we can really drop into this and then part two when we for my exclusive patreon so if you want to know about part two then you're going to have to pay five five dollars um, for that is that we're going to talk about how do we get over those feelings of rejection and not good enough and how do we practice hearing no and how do we practice receiving compliments and how do we practice like how do we do that how do we navigate the, the this programming and how do we move out of that space that we've been each one of us culturally and societally have been programmed to believe that if you if your partner ask for something different than what you are doing that you are failing and that you are bad in bed we need to change that narrative we need to change those beliefs and so part two we'll be talking about how do we change those beliefs okay all right so how do we so let's come back to our two pieces which is the communication factor and then receiving that information okay so The first part of that is, it's okay to ask for what you desire. I want everybody to take a deep breath for a second with me. Breathe in, exhale. Breathe in, exhale. If something hurts, if something's uncomfortable, If something isn't feeling good, if something is feeling good and you want more of that exactly the way it is, it's important to communicate that with the person or people that you are having sexy time with. And it's okay. And so any part of you that feels like if I communicate that's going to offend somebody, or I'm going to or they're going to think I'm a slut, or, um, you know, I'm going to upset them, all of those beliefs, all of those ideologies, all of that no longer serves you. This is part of why you're not getting the sex that you desire. You're not getting the satisfaction of a sex of the sexual experiences because you are not communicating what it is you want and how you want it. And each person's body changes and each person's body can change moment to moment depending on where there's many factors of our arousal responses. There's emotions, there's physical sensations. There's how much hydration we've had, how much sleep we've had. Um, there's a lot of variables that change our body's arousal responses based on these variables. And our partner, our partners can't be expected to be a mind reader to get it exactly what we want. We have to communicate that. And communicating that is a beautiful gift to your partner or partners, okay? Now, second, I'm gonna come back into what we were just talking about, which is all about part two, which is when your partner asks for a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, more pressure, less pressure, the most important thing, two most important things, one, you need to listen. And follow the instructions. It's not about you in that moment. It's not about your skill sets. It's not about uh, whether or not you're good enough. It's not about your prowess. It's not about any of those things. It's about giving your partner or partners the most amount of pleasure possible. That is the responsibility of any sexual activity in sexy time consensual sexy time is all about giving and receiving pleasure. And in order to give the most amount of pleasure, you need to listen to your partner's desires of how they want and what they want. And if that brings up feelings for you, if that brings up insecurities for you, if that brings up rejection for you, then please listen to part two, where we talk about how do we get rid of all that? How do we fix that? How do we navigate that? And how do we shift out of that, okay? All right, I'm gonna go check in with our live people, see how it's going. Okay, so somebody brings up a really good point about um, my our partners may not always desire what we desire, and so this is why um, it's super, super important. It's super important that we have conversations and communications early on in our relationships for that compatibility space. So, for example, if you really are into and want to explore non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, threesomes, group sex, these kinds of things, and you happen to have chosen a partner who's incredibly monogamous, then that is never going to be a compatible fit. It's, It's just not the The best you can hope for in an, in a situation where you're you're not compatible, is that you can meet in the middle of being able to have fantasies about it and having conversations and doing some role playing about it. So, for example, if you are the person who wants to have um, a threesome or group set. Situation, then part of that being that intimacy and that connection and the open, honest conversation with your partner around consensual, you know, conscious monogamy um, is to say, okay, so I. I know that for you, monogamy is a really important thing. For me, my sexual desires have some of these components in it. Um, I'd like to meet in the middle and have a conversation about how can we meet in the middle. And one of the suggestions that I make is that we do a little bit of like, uh, you know reading some sexy stories where there's some group sex involved and having some show and tell, you know mutual masturbation together. So you're not hiding it and it's not a secret from one another. And that you can still participate in your sexual expression with one another within the confines of the relationship style that you both have chosen and it's really important to understand there's different types of love paradigms and relationships and sex pair or sex uh, styles so there's monogamous meaning i am only attracted to one human being uh, I have no fantasies, I have no desires, I'm only attracted. That's true monogamy. Uh, unhealthy dysfunctional monogamy is where you actually are non-monogamous, but you pretend and feel forced to pretend that you are monogamous which you're not because you still have arousal responses and desires and fantasize and watch porn and do all these things uh in relation to other people but you may not act upon that piece um but you're forced to pretend that you don't so there's a lot of stuff and I've done lots of shows around this conversation so please go listen to those shows to drop deeper into that and then the last one is ethical non-monogamy um where you are above board everybody who's participating in your partnership sexual relationships love relationships everybody knows what this what it is and everybody's agreed upon it and then the other part is being ultimately conscious monogamy where you may not be actually monogamous, meaning you're only attracted to one person, but you have consciously chosen to be honor the fact that you're attracted to others, but attraction doesn't mean action and that you're choosing to only engage sexually with one partner. So there's lots of variations in all of that. And the key is, is that compatibility. So again, In part two, we'll go into (laughs) what happens when you're not compatible and how do we fix that? What happens when we communicate and we have issues and how do we fix that? Okay. So, dropping back into that place around communication about what it is that we truly desire and having open conversations with each other, having honest conversations. Those open, honest conversations, yes, may get messy a little bit and may get ugly a little bit and people may not be comfortable with it and and may not want to listen to it and may feel hurt and may feel offended and all of these things because of what we've been programmed to believe. That is true. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. (laughs) It ain't pretty. However, you know what's also not pretty? not being honest with each other leads to being in a sexist relationship. If you have this desire, whatever that is, it could be having a foot fetish, could be uh, wanting to be into anal, it could be, um, you know, having, um, you know, being spanked. It could be like, there could be a lot of variables of what creates sexual arousal response for you. And if you're carrying this shame and this fear that you can't communicate that you have those desires with your partner, then that causes serious problems in your sexual relationship. And vice versa. And sometimes our partners will want to be like, oh, that's kind of intriguing and interesting. And let's let's explore that together. And sometimes our partners will be like, hell no, that is not, I'm not into that. And then you need to have another conversation. The, ne- the other conversation that needs to happen is okay, but this is a part of who I am as a sexual being. How are we going to navigate this so that everybody feels good and comfortable about the fact that, for example, I have a foot fetish? I really, really like looking at feet. And how are we going to figure that out that there's nothing wrong with the fact that you may not be into feet? but I'm in defeat and that's okay. Your partner doesn't have to be into everything you're into. doesn't have to be turned on by everything that you're turned on by, but you need to be able to communicate what all of those things are and everybody understand what those things are and no one judge each other for those things. And how are you going to facilitate that in the confines of the relationship that you have? That is the key to no longer being in a sexless relationship because the sex is bad. Communication, getting rid of secrets, being honest about what you desire, talking about what it is that you desire, listening to each other communicate what it is that you desire um, to improve sexual skills. Learning how to improve your sexual skills I have a great course called Sexual Skill Building. It's fantastic, it goes into all of the pieces on how to improve your sexual skills that you all, no one taught you how to do, so it's important to learn how to. Um, You wouldn't do uh, brain surgery if no one taught you how to do brain surgery. You had to learn, somebody had to teach you how to walk. Somebody had to teach you how to play golf if you play golf, somebody like all of those things, those are skills that you had to learn. So come learn them and stop expecting your partner to know them and stop expect our partners and stop expecting yourself to know what you're doing without the education in knowledge and communication from your partner. Okay, so that's, the, that's part one. I hope that they brought up some stuff. I hope that it you know stimulated some new possibilities of conversations that you could be having with your partner um you know i hope that you know it did some you know inspired you in some capacity all right so before i let you go there's a couple different things one part two on how to fix this how to have the conversations um, how to change this is going to be exclusive for my Patreon people so for uh, within the next I don't know, hour or two. Um, I'm going to go create it now. And then I'll put it up on Patreon and when it's available, I will put it in the show notes and I will put it in the link below. Um, you can, in the meantime, you can join my Patreon which I will immediately when the end of the show is I will sh- uh, put the link in so that you can support for as little as $5 a month, um, this content of the show, My Orgasmic Life, and support your hostess, tip your hostess. And don't forget to check out Tickle.life. And don't forget to check out Tickle.life's podcast, which I also host, where we explore and I interview people about their first experiences, all the different kinds of first sexual experiences. And uh, have a juicy day. Oh. And to spend more time with me and to learn all about the things that I do in the world and all the hats that I wear, visit uh, GaiaMorissette.com. That's where the hub is. And that's the entry into the empire that is me. (laughs) Have a juicy day. And I'll talk at you later. Bye.